there is a meaningful quote which reads, please think about your legacy because you are writing it every day. My biggest fear in life was, and it still is, that you know, suddenly you're old and you're trying to look back and you try to gather all the days or the time in your life in your hands and it just slips through. In this episode, we are meeting a Norwegian man named Fredrik, whose young restlessness led him on a sailing journey that would leave a positive legacy for himself and the planet. This is Traveler Stories, a podcast brought to you by SAS. In this season, you will meet people who traveled abroad and suddenly found themselves in a situation that changed the course of their lives. If I do end up suddenly old in a rocking chair, I will at least remember this thing. The world is the best classroom you can ever visit in your entire life. None of this would have happened if it hadn't been for that Thai boxing gym. I got this physical reaction. I can understand people now saying that they got some kind of religious call. I'm actually getting goosebumps as I'm telling this again. I think I've always been sort of restless you know, in school and um, yeah, never was really able to concentrate much. Yes, I was always sort of a free spirit, but um, a free spirit with uh, sort of an itch. This is Frederick. A few years ago, he was living the average life of a late 20s Scandinavian man. He had the job, the apartment, and a girlfriend. But in the middle of all this stability, he had a growing restlessness. I felt like you only have so many days in your life. And I felt like I didn't spend them to their full extent, if that makes sense. Um, I was uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, I was talking to her loads about me wanting to do this trip. And I think that sort of intimidated her a little bit. We wanted different things. That led to me moving into a, a sailboat. It, it was a lifelong dream to live on the boat. And I think that probably was the precursor of what was going to happen. After the breakup, Frederick moves into a sailboat with the intention of beginning the new life he was longing for. It's funny because when you live in a boat, you'd expect that you have this awesome life where you sail all the time and you're always on the water. And uh, I almost didn't go on any sailing trips at all. I lived in the boat or I slept in the boat. So I felt like that was also a bit of a, perhaps a disappointment or uh, reality check, if you want, that, you know, I thought it would be more awesome. So Frederick's dream of living on a sailboat wasn't living up to his expectations. He still had this inner itch. In his head, he was imagining getting in his boat, sailing out of the harbor, and seeing the world. I think almost every day, I spent some time at work looking up Google Maps or looking at where to go, where what trips to take. And, you know, this world is quite big, many places to see. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. And that only fuels into the idea of, you know, you have to travel, you have to do something. One February evening at a party, Frederick finds out that his old friend Carl is planning a sailing trip to the Caribbean. Frederick couldn't believe it. I was like, really? That's my dream. I want to do that. So it wasn't really the Caribbean that was the big goal in itself. But I wanted to do a long trip. I never did a long trip before. Uh, it was just about sailing long, a big distance, and see how that felt. 
I've watched so many films about people doing that and it always inspired me and it always looks very awesome. So yeah, then I contacted him and said, hey, you gonna do that? Shortly after telling Carl he would love to join him on this voyage, Frederick sits down with his boss. And I say, okay, uh, Andreas, uh, and he just stopped me right there. It was, okay, I know what you're going to say. Because I think it was pretty obvious I wasn't really enjoying myself that much. And he said, okay, you, now you, you lost your go- girlfriend and you lost your apartment. Maybe you should wait and not lose your job as well. Frederick understands that his boss has a point, but he can't seem to shake off this inner feeling, his lust for seeing the world to experience things before he's too old and gray. He has to go. And so, he hands in his resignation. Yeah, I needed sort of an island in the middle of this whole sea that is life. I I needed something to break up my everyday life and when I felt like I was on the wrong track, it's nice to have something to break that up and start fresh somehow. And that was a way to do that. A very nice way to do that. The sailing trip is getting close, and Frederick's expectations are big. I brought this big notebook, so I, I wanted to write down all my ideas and thoughts, maybe write a book, but at least find out what I wanted in life. Frederick meets with his sailing mates in Ireland and sees the boat for the first time. And then the guys were there. It was sort of um, very liberating, you know, when you know that, whoa, I'm here indefinitely now. I don't know how long I'm going to travel for. This boat will be my home now for pretty long. Yeah. And so the grand voyage begins as they set sail from the Irish harbor. Adventure is waiting, a new chapter in Frederick's life. And it is going to be amazing. It's boring. Boring? You know, sailing is boring, but in a good way. I don't mean that in a negative way at all but you really get to know yourself. (laughs) So if you want to find yourself sailing, it's quite a good thing to do. What struck me the most was how monotone it all was. I think the saying is that every sailing trip is only three days. We have the first day is when you get on the boat. The third day is when you get ashore. And then all the days in between is the second day. And it really felt like that most of the time what you're seeing is blue and it's blue and it's blue <laughs> no, blue skies and blue water and that gives you time to sit around but there were some moments when the sea came to life right before it was getting dark we went for a swim and then we saw this whole gang of uh, whales that was crossing right where we were swimming And then we watched an episode of uh, Blue Planet 2 with David Attenborough. We felt like we were in that, you know. So that was pretty special. Whales and dolphins weren't the only thing Frederick and his friends saw in the ocean. When you cross the Atlantic, there's also one other big thing you witness. Plastic. While sailing outside the west coast of Africa, Frederick and the rest of the sailing crew were shocked. I was sitting on the deck. Sometimes I would just sit there and meditate or stretch or do whatever. And then we we saw this um, school of whales again. And uh, they were traveling alongside the boat. So we were all watching them. And then uh, 
I guess at one point, we were like, damn, there's a lot of plastic here. When you, when you see whales and, and dolphins, it's all, almost always an awesome feeling. But then when you see them swimming in plastics, that sort of ruins the moment a little bit. When you see one piece, then the other guy starts pointing, hey, there's another one, and then there's another one. And then we all were just pointing around the pieces of plastics and we were just baffled about how, how much uh, plastic we could find. We couldn't believe it because we were so far from land so we went to check the GPS and we are like, oh, okay, so we're at least 24 hours from the coast and maybe there's a river there bringing it all out or something but this is quite a lot. And you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, you don't see any other boats, you don't see any lights, you don't see anything. So it's a strange feeling seeing all that plastic there, which you know is very harmful. It was impossible for Frederick and his friends to know where all these pieces of plastic now surrounding them came from. But they could tell it was massive and harmful. The plastics we, we found or we saw was what we call macroplastics, so bigger pieces. Over 90% of plastics sink. You can just imagine when we saw plastics everywhere, that's less than 10%. So this is macroplastic, big visible pieces of plastic that either float on the surface or sink to the bottom. And then there's this other type of plastic. Because of the, the UV from, from the sun and the, the salt water, will make it disintegrate into small pieces, which will go into small pieces, and then you have microplastics. The microplastics, they get eaten by, by plankton. Um, they also uh, suck up um, toxins from the environment. Microplastic sucks up toxins from the ocean, which might sound nice, but it's a scary problem. So you'd think it's great that they suck up toxins, but then when plankton eat them, fish will eat the plankton, and then, you know, you have it all up in the, the food chain. The surface of the planet is approximately 71% water, which makes up most of our Earth. And we are polluting it with plastic. So it, it's this feeling of hopelessness. It's, um, it's, it's quite strong feeling of how can we do anything about this it, when it's such a great problem or it's such a huge problem. And it feels, yeah, feels bigger than us. This sight and this realization has a great impact on the rest of Friedrich's travels. I wouldn't say it ruined my sailing trip or experience, but it definitely put some, some sense of reality to it. That combined with the feeling that um, this itch of starting to do something about it was, um, was a feeling I had. When the sailboat finally reached land, Frederick started doing research on ways to solve the plastic problem. In, in Mexico, I had this breakfast place I went to every day. I would research any product uh, with ocean plastics, and I would research how other people have gone about it. And then I, I was also researching, I, could, I read everything I could about blockchain technology. Yeah, that, that was basically my, how I started every day. On the side of enjoying Mexico, Frederick spent most of his time thinking about this issue. But one day, 
he goes on Instagram and sees something that makes him want to go home. My plan was to stay there for much longer. I wanted to go down south uh, to Belize and to Costa Rica. The trigger that just made me say, fuck it, I'm going home, was when I saw people going cross-country skiing around the town hall in Oslo. And I thought, okay, this is probably the best winter we've ever had. I'm not sure if we're going to get a great winter ever again. You know, global warming and climate change might prevent that. So I just went straight home and uh, enjoyed that winter. I remember getting off the plane, it was just white everywhere and cold. And I didn't really have a plan. I went to a friend of mine and uh, just stayed there for a little bit before I moved back in, into the boat. I got a, an office space at Mesh, a co-working space in Oslo. The thing is, there is like a community where you tell them what you do and they, they're very good at, at linking you with other people doing similar things. So they linked me with some people working with, with Plastic Problem. And I didn't end up working with them, but we did some really good uh, brainstorming and looked at how we, we were to tackle the problem. After a while, Fredrik joins a company called Empower. This company's aim is to give plastic a value. And the way it gets valued is by ensuring that plastic collection is being rewarded. The company has three ways to tackle the plastic problem. We want to stop the tap so we don't have more plastics entering the ocean or the environment. And then we want to clean up what's already out there and then we want to provide a recycling aid. In the countries where the plastic problem is most prominent, that's also where there's a lot of poor people who needs income. So if we can have collection points in those countries, or we want that everywhere, but let's start there and give those people a chance to earn, have an income by collecting plastics or by delivering plastics from their home to the collection point, getting money from that, instead of throwing it in the river, then I think we, we, we have something. I sometimes like to watch this or, or have this perspective where I look down on Earth as an alien and seeing this awesome green and blue planet. But then also you have all these people polluting and throwing so much garbage into the, the oceans. It's just a great annoyance to know that we, we have the resources and opportunities and knowledge to take care of this problem. And, and still we, we choose not to, or it's not convenient enough to do it. This view on life has made Frederick turn plastic into a business. And it has to work, because if not... By 2050, there'll be more plastic than fish in the ocean, they say. I'm not sure if that's correct, but I don't think that's a great future. What's worse is, or at least for humans, is that 10% of oh, everyone rely on marine protein to survive for food. The population is growing and we need to feed everyone. And at the same time, we're destroying our food sources by polluting them, which doesn't make sense. Frederick's worst-case scenario was getting old 
and not having fulfilled himself in life. After being on this trip to the Caribbean, this is no longer his biggest concern. It definitely gave me some perspective, but it also gave me the feeling that I've done something cool, you know? If I do end up suddenly old in a rocking chair and looking back at my, back at my life, I will actually, I will at least remember this thing. Even though Frederick has got other things to worry about now, he feels hopeful and optimistic. Now I worry about that problem, but at the same time, I feel like we can solve it. And if I only knew that there was a problem, but I didn't know how to solve it, that would be worse. Whereas now I'm, I'm pretty certain that we, we, we have something good here and that we can actually do this. Due to this trip, Frederick has learned all these things about the plastic problem, but he has also learned a lot about himself. Knowledge that can be just as valuable. To me, the importance of travel is definitely the perspective. You grow up so much by doing it, actually, and you learn lessons you'd never learn otherwise. I learned to be more comfortable in my skin, being so much on your own, just you're forced to just sit there and watch the waves go by. So I think I quite quickly became my, my own friend, if that makes sense, my own best friend. I think I learned to stay more in the moment. When you learn how to meditate, you learn how to, yeah, just be very aware of the moment and enjoy the moment as it occurs. <laughs> 